Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing the college basketball DFS slate for Wednesday night, February 15th. We're going to be talking about both the DraftKings and the FanDuel slates, primarily focused on DraftKings. That's where you're going to hear the salaries and the scoring from, but I will make sure to mention some analysis for the FanDuel slate as well. FanDuel is a little bit smaller slate. It's only five games, whereas DraftKings is 11, but still lots of good college basketball going to be on my television and a lot of potential guys that we can fit into our lineups here on this week. Wednesday night slate. Now, if you play DFS for PGA Tour Golf, or if you bet on PGA Tour Golf, make sure you check out our preview for the Genesis Invitational. That went up late last night. Uh, The Genesis Invitational tees off on Thursday. Um, Or if you just like what you're hearing on this podcast and you think this analysis can help you for another sport, give golf a try. DFS golf is a lot of fun, um, and it is something that I enjoy playing every week. Now, speaking of which, if you do like what you're hearing on this podcast, please help me out and rate, subscribe, and review. I know I've said this a few times now, but y'all, I'm not kidding. It really does help a lot. I want to grow this into the biggest DFS college basketball podcast on the planet, and I can only get there with you guys' help as well. So please help me out, rate, subscribe, and review. All right, so enough with the introductions now. Let's go ahead and start breaking down this 11-game slate. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. All right, so there is one game that stands above the rest on this slate as a game to target for DFS purposes, and that is Xavier at Marquette. According to Ken Palm, both of these teams are in the top 60 in the nation in tempo, which creates a really good game environment. Vegas has this game at a total of 159.5. Ken Palm has this game as being Marquette 87-81, which would be 168 total points. The previous matchup these two teams played at the Centos Center in Cincinnati um, was 80-76, to in favor of Xavier, so 156 total points scored in that one. And basically, everybody's thinking that this one's going to go higher than that. So this is going to be a great game environment to get a lot of plays from. You're going to hear me mention more than a few guys from this game that we can get into our DFS lineups. Now, another team that is really interesting is Virginia Tech has an implied total of 74 points against Georgia Tech, and that would be a pretty good offensive night for the Hokies. They're going up against a weak defensive team in Georgia Tech, a Georgia Tech team that's still playing hard, still fighting, still, you know, showing maximum effort and giving teams all they can handle on a nightly basis. But West or Virginia Tech is implied 74 points. They will be able to score a lot of points in this game. Alabama and Tennessee is another game that we want to target. Uh, Vegas has the total at 143.5. Ken Palm has this as Tennessee 71 to 69, which would be 140 total points. This is a huge tempo up spot for Tennessee, as according to Ken Palm, Alabama currently sits as the number one fastest team in the country. So you're going to see some increased possessions for Tennessee, and they're going to be without a few players potentially in this game as well, which is going to open up a lot of possessions and a lot of usage for some different guys that we are going to mention. Now, the last game that I do want to mention as one to target is Clemson and FSU. The last matchup between those two teams was 82-81 to Clemson, an absolute shootout. Uh, and Ken Palm has this game for Wednesday night as Clemson 79-68. to So definitely more than a few options in terms of if you want to stack up one game or you know get just a few pieces from one game, those are some games that you can do it with. All right, so now let's start breaking down the guards. So... I just mentioned the Clemson FSU game. Let's start with a guard in that game, Matthew Cleveland of the Florida State Seminoles. Um, In the last time that these two teams played, he had 32 fantasy points on 16 shots, which is not bad, but he's only hit four times value twice in his last seven games. And one thing that Matthew Cleveland is, when you play these high-priced guys, you got to always think about their pathway to a big night and a big fantasy performance, right? Like Oscar Sheboy. 
who we're going to talk about later. His path is through offensive rebounding. Well, Matthew Cleveland, it's from defensive rebounding, if we're being 100% honest. He averages eight rebounds a game. And Clemson is a good rebounding team. They're well above average. They play two bigs most of the time. They're not a team that gives up a lot of offensive boards, and they do pretty well on the offensive glass themselves. And as evidence of that, Matthew Cleveland only had four rebounds against Clemson the last time these two teams played. I think that Clemson, or I'm sorry, I think that Cleveland is generally a high upside player, but I don't think this is the best spot for him going up against Clemson, even though the game environment should be pretty good. Now, the Xavier guards that we've been talking about all season, Kobe Jones and Suli Boom. Kobe Jones has outscored Suli Boom in their last two games. Now, what's really relevant is that there have been three games since forward Zach Fremantle got injured, and he's going to be out a while. And in those three games, Kobe Jones is averaging 35 fantasy points, and Boom is only averaging 29. Boom is likely to still play in this game. I know he's got that questionable tag on DraftKings. I expect him to play. I expect him to play hurt, though. I don't think this is necessarily an injury where he's going to be 100%. Um, and so I think that might be a little bit of a knock on Boom. And honestly, if you're playing on FanDuel, I think that Colby Jones is really affordable being priced below Boom. Um, and so on FanDuel, I would definitely prefer Jones of the two. On DraftKings, Jones is a little more expensive, and I think I would still prefer him. The last time that Xavier played Marquette, Colby Jones had 35.5 fantasy points, and Boom had 33.5 fantasy points, which not a big difference. Neither performance is like, you know, going to win you a GPP, but neither would kill you either. But like I said, it's a great game environment, and I'm fine with playing either of these two guys, and I'm giving Boom a little bit of a dock because of playing through that injury. Now, a new name in the 8K range, well, not new, he's been there before, but it's Wade Taylor of Texas A&M. He's got a pretty good spot in terms of game environment. It's a tempo up spot going up against Arkansas, but he only had 24.3 fantasy points against Arkansas the last time these two teams played. I think that this is a little bit of a price hike on Wade Taylor, and I'm probably just going to pass on him altogether. Now, to finish up the 8K range, there are three guys who are very upsidey, if I must say so myself. The first one is Oregon's Will Richardson. So we know that Washington is like the Syracuse disciple, um, and they play this 2-3 zone like almost every possession, right? Um, and so that 2-3 zone lends itself to giving up assists. Washington is 351st in the nation, according to Ken Palm, in assist percentage, meaning when you play Washington, you assist on a lot of your buckets. You know who's going to be getting those assists for Oregon? Will Richardson. So I think that gives him a very high upside um, chance against the Huskies. Now, Boo Booey of Northwestern. We've seen him have a big ceiling. He has multiple 40-plus fantasy point performances, and this is a really good tempo up spot against Indiana. The last time these two teams played, he had 34 fantasy points in an 84-83 win against the Hoosiers. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to repeat what he did on Sunday, but I think this is a really good spot for Boo Booey when you consider the tempo that Indiana plays at. Tyler Kolek of Marquette is a guy that I have played a lot this year, and honestly, very rarely regretted it. He has a very easy path to fantasy points with how um, fast Marquette plays, with how much he contributes on the boards, and how much he is able to get assists in quick succession. And I think this is a really good spot against a very fast opponent in Xavier. He had 44 fantasy points the last time these two teams played, and he absolutely excels in games where the tempo is being pushed. I think this is an absolute smash spot for Tyler Kolick of Marquette. Now heading down to the 7K range, Damian Ball of TCU has over 29 fantasy points in every game that Mike Miles has sat out injured. Now Mike Miles is apparently back practicing from what I can tell on Twitter. Um, I don't know if he plays or not. Um, however, I will say on FanDuel, if he does end up playing, 
He's only $4,000 on FanDuel, Mike Miles Jr., that is. So that's a super affordable cost for a guy that even if he doesn't play a full minute load, he can easily pay off his price tag of $4,000. Now, what that means about Damian Ball is if Mike Miles Jr. plays, I'm, inter- I'm immediately not interested, right? Uh, and I think in general, this is not a great matchup against Iowa State, who tends to turn every game into a rock fight. Um, and so maybe not as much upside out of Damian Ball, but I think he's really a solid cash game play if Mike Miles Jr. does indeed sit out this game with injury. Now, Tennessee's Kai Ziegler is in a big tempo up spot going up against Alabama. When Tennessee gets to 70 points, Ziegler has been absolute money. The last five games that Tennessee has scored 70, Ziegler has had 34.3, 46.3, 33.5, 39.5, and 43 fancy points. Now, if you were able to do that average in your head as I was going, I'm very impressed, but I'll go ahead and tell you. It was an average of 39.3 fantasy points over those five games, and I really do like Tennessee's chances of getting to 70 points in this great environment. Also, Tennessee may be without a few guys, including guard Josiah Jordan-James, which they were last time out that Tennessee played, and Ziegler had a good night that time as well. So I think this is a really good spot for Zakai Ziegler as well. Anthony Black of Arkansas has back-to-back 40 fantasy point performances. He's seen his shot rate go up in the last three games, which is definitely relevant. You know, more shots tend to lead to more fantasy points. Don't have to be a basketball expert to figure that one out. Um, And he had 29 fantasy points the last time that Arkansas played Texas A&M. So I don't think it's necessarily like the best matchup. Texas A&M doesn't push the tempo. They're not a bad defensive team. Um, Every Buzz Williams team is going to be a good defensive team. Um, But I just think that, there, you know, he's definitely worth a look with his usage rate and his shot rate going up. Um, but I don't necessarily know if he's in as good of a spot as some other guys here on the board. Now, Black's teammate, Ricky Council, had 35 fantasy points last time Arkansas and Texas A&M played. He hasn't been as good lately as Anthony Black, but that performance is worth noting. Now, heading down to the 6K range, it's the land of the Virginia guards. There's three of them in this range, Kihei Clark, Reese Beekman, and Armand Franklin. And I'll be honest, all three of them intrigue me. Virginia is going to absolutely beat the brakes off of Louisville. Louisville is not a good basketball team. Uh, Virginia's, you know, just stifling defense is not going to allow Louisville to score very many points at all. Um, And I think that Virginia is going to win this game probably like, I don't know, like 75 to 55 or something like that, if Louisville can even get to 55. Uh, And so all three of these guards intrigue me because they all contribute on the boards. They all get assists. Virginia is one of the best teams in the nation at getting assists off of every made field goal. They don't do it every time, but their um, percentage of doing so is one of the highest in the nation. And so... I definitely think that all three of these Virginia guards are a little bit intriguing because there's going to be a lot of points, rebounds, and assists to go around against this Louisville team. Um, And so I guess, you know, maybe just take your pick between the three of them. I don't think necessarily they're going to be stackable. Um, I think that one or two of them has a chance at a good game, but it won't be all three of them simultaneously. Now, Georgia Tech's Davon Smith sticking in the ACC. Um, has had back-to-back games over 32 fantasy points, and he has seen his usage rate skyrocket in those last two games. Like I said earlier about Georgia Tech, they are fighting and genuinely trying and playing hard every night. And they're, you know, they're still trying to win games. And recently their path to keeping these games close has just been letting Davon Smith get the ball and letting him make something happen with it. And so I think that he, with his usage rate being as high as it is, and with Virginia Tech being a team that certainly doesn't play with a slow tempo, um, I think that this is a really good spot for Davon Smith. And I think he continue his little hot streak that he's been on.
Now, in the 6K range, I think there's a lot of solid cash game options as well. Cam Jones of Marquette is getting a super huge price drop because of his recent performances, but he's in a great game environment. Jaywin Hood Shafino of Indiana, again, good game environment. Um, if Xavier Johnson continues to sit and Hood Shafino has the primary ball handler duties, he's in a great spot. Uh, and then Debo Davis of Arkansas, just super consistent performer. Um, even Nick Smith coming back and potentially stealing a few minutes from Davis, I'm not worried about it. Um, and I think that he is in a solid spot as well as a cash game option. Now heading down to the 5K range, for Kentucky, they've got a little bit of injury worries. If Xavier Wheeler and C.J. Frederick continue to sit, it could be a big game for Antonio Reeves, just like he had Saturday against Georgia. He played all 40 minutes and had 29 fantasy points against the Bulldogs. So I think this is a really good spot for Antonio Reeves if Kentucky continues to have those guys out with injury. Now, in terms of cash game plays in this range, Riley Kugel of Florida and Brooks Barnheiser of Northwestern, both have been really solid and shown a high floor recently. I have no problem deploying them in cash game formats. Lance Terry of Georgia Tech would be my GPP play in this range. He's certainly not consistent, uh, but he has shown the upside to get to 36 fantasy points, but he only has one game of his last six over four times value for his current price tag. Um, but like I said, he has shown that upside. Georgia Tech, their usage can swing wherever. So it's lightly been on Davion Smith. It could absolutely end up being Lance Terry for a night. We never really know. So I definitely think that there's a chance that he could end up having a really big night. Now, looking at the 4K range and below, Micah Peavy of TCU has been pretty solid in his last two games. He has 18 and 30 fantasy points in those two games. Again, this is a play that is contingent on Mike Miles continuing to sit with injury. FSU's Jalen Warley was benched and then unbenched and started last Saturday against Pitt, and he responded to that benching and unbenching with a 33.5 fantasy point performance. And so um, maybe whatever message Leonard Hamilton was trying to send, um, message received, because he played really well against Pitt. And so I think that, you know, maybe, like, just this is a super risky, high upside play, but maybe Jalen Warry has a little bit of upside against Clemson. This FSU rotation this year, y'all, has been super difficult to figure out um, and just trying to figure out has ended up costing me in some, you know, big time um, contests where I just played the wrong FSU guy. And so um, recently I played Chandler Jackson over Jalen Warley on Saturday and uh, that didn't work out. So um, Jalen Warley, absolutely risky play, but he has shown a lot of upside. Now, speaking of upside, Somebody's going to have to take some usage from Josiah Jordan-James if he does sit for Tennessee. And last time, that was Tennessee's Tyreek Key. He was the main beneficiary against Missouri. He had 38 fantasy points in 31 minutes. Even if he doesn't play 31 minutes again, he's over fantasy point per minute in that game. And that is a rate that we will absolutely be ecstatic with every time we can get it into our lineup. Now, for Xavier, Desmond Claude is another beneficiary of the Zach Fremantle injury. He has averaged 16 fantasy points per game in the three games since that injury. And then there's two guards that are kind of like upside plays, and they're Ryland Griffin of Alabama and Kawasi Reeves of Florida. They're not consistent at all, but they've shown the ability to get to five times value for their salary. And in a GPP, you want to try to get to that five times value number. All right, that does it for the guard position. So let's take a quick breather and then let's break down the big fellas. Looking at the forward position, the top name on the board on both sides is Trace Jackson Davis of the Indiana Hoosiers. And I got to be honest, y'all, he is the absolute king of the slate Wednesday night. On FanDuel, he is the highest priced player. And I'll be honest, on FanDuel, I don't think he's priced up enough. And on DraftKings, he's priced 11.5, which is the highest price I've seen in a long time on DraftKings. And I got to be honest, I'm not sure if it's enough. 
He's, he hasn't been under 45 fantasy points in nine straight games. And he had 68 fantasy points the last time Indiana matched up against Northwestern. I think this is actually, even as expensive as he is, I think this is a good spot for Trace Jackson Davis, like I got to say. like, And I think the best part is because he's so expensive, the ownership's going to be driven down a little bit on DraftKings. And so I think that actually makes it more attractive to play him, right? And so maybe it's not such a bad idea to play him at all because, you know, if he gets to 45 fantasy points, like that's almost four times value. So, you know, that's almost his floor is four times value. So you're looking at a guy where, you know, just I think he's solid in any format. Now, if you do play him, you got to find some values, though. So let's keep digging down the board. Um, Colin Castleton is next up. He has three straight 48 fantasy point performances, and I don't think this is a bad spot. Uh, Ole Miss doesn't play a guy in their rotation above 6'8", and Florida is projected to score 72 points, which is more than they usually do. And so I think this is a fairly solid spot for Colin Castleton. I don't necessarily know if he gets to the 48 that he's gotten in three straight, but I do think he has a chance to get to four or five times value. Oscar Sheboy. I alluded to this earlier, but when you look at all of his good fantasy point performances, they're all due to offensive rebounding. So when you're looking at playing Oscar Sheboy, you got to look at, does this team he's going up against give up a lot of offensive rebounds? And Mississippi State is about middle of the road in all of Division One. They are 179th, according to Ken Palm, in defensive rebound percentage. And team number one would be the best in 365 would be the worst. That I, I felt the need to explain that one. Um, so basically, they're middle of the road, right? And they're a big team as well with Talu Smith and Will McNair. So I don't think this is the best spot for Oscar Sheboy. He needs offensive rebounds to hit his ceiling, and I just don't necessarily know if this is the best spot to do it. Um, I, I would rather wait on Oscar Sheboy. Now, Grant Basile and Justin Mutz of Virginia Tech have been just really, really solid lately. And I think they have another good spot going against Georgia Tech. Um, Georgia Tech doesn't start a guy over 6'7". And so you're looking at Basile um, having a definite size advantage and Mutz really kind of having an athleticism advantage as well as a length advantage. Um, so I think this is a good spot for both those guys. Now, what's notable is even as Hunter Couture's came back, Grant Basile is now West, or not West Virginia, Grant Basile is now Virginia Tech's leader in usage. And so they're using Basile a lot. Um, and I just think that both of those guys are in solid spots going up against Georgia Tech. Now, Jack Nungy um, of Xavier has averaged 40 fantasy points since Zach Fremantle got injured, and he had 44 fantasy points against Marquette last time. Um, now, not to be outdone, Oso Iguodaro of Marquette had 32 fantasy points in that game as well, which is not bad for him at all. But I think that Biggs going up against Marquette is a pretty solid spot. Um, Oso Iguodaro is not the biggest big in the world, and he is so important to Marquette's effort that like he tries to almost intentionally not foul if that makes sense, like he is like desperately avoiding foul trouble. Um, and so if you have a low post big that can kind of go at him and attack him, that is something that can be successful against Marquette. And so Jack Nungy, last time against, you know, Marquette, 44 fantasy points. And I think he can do that again, especially with the increased usage from Zach Fremantle's injury. Now for Clemson, Hunter Tyson and P.J. Hall both hit four times value the last time they played FSU. That is not something that you see every day out of teammates. Basile and Mutz have done it a few times um, as forwards together, and now Tyson and Hall did it against FSU together. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would play them together again, but they've both definitely shown the ability to get there. Now heading down to the 7K range, and finally Dante of Oregon has a 12.7% offensive rebound percentage. And here's why that's relevant. He gets a matchup against Washington, who plays that 2-3 zone like we talked about. 
And the 2-3 zone lends itself to a lot of assists, a lot of three-pointers, and a lot of offensive boards. Washington is 349th in the country in giving up offensive boards. They're one of the worst rebounding teams in the nation. And so Nafali Dante has a chance to hit a ceiling game and have a really good day offensive rebounding if he is able to stay on the court and stay out of foul trouble. And I really like Nafali Dante in GPPs for that reason, for the ceiling that he can get from his offensive rebounds. Now, Georgia Tech's Javon Franklin. You know, I kind of talked about how I like Basilian Mutz. I kind of like Javon Franklin too. He has four straight games over 34 fantasy points, and he hasn't really been priced up super high because of it. And we have seen Biggs be successful against Virginia Tech in the past. So I think this is a pretty solid spot for Javon Franklin. Heading down to the 6K range, Jaden Gardner of Virginia has, well, let me rephrase, he had four straight games over 27 fantasy points before Saturday's game against Duke. And look, I can kind of forgive that performance. Duke plays two seven-footers most of the time, and it was a very slow game, and I can kind of forgive one bad performance from him. And now he gets Louisville coming to town, and Louisville is going to give him plenty of opportunities to get rebounds. So I think that this is a pretty solid bounce-back spot for Jaden Garner. I think that performance against Duke will keep ownership very low. Now, the 6K range, other than that, was relatively uninteresting to me. Um, but heading to the 5K range, I really do like Mikel Mitchell of Arkansas. Now, I got to be honest. When I'm watching a game, I kind of don't like playing Mikel Mitchell in DFS in, in the reason why, this is like a dumb reason why, not because of anything he does on the court or you know his performances or whatever, but when I'm watching Arkansas play, I can't tell him and his brother apart. I don't know which one's Makai. I don't know which one's Mikel. And I don't know if Eric Musselman can tell them apart because you look at their minutes, it's very sporadic. It, it, it's almost like he just points to Ben and says, Mitchell, and one of them comes and you know that's the one that he puts in the game. And I, I don't know if that's actually what happens, but uh, it's very frustrating to think, oh, you know, put back. I, I get a rebound and two points for that and you know, 3.2 for Mikhail Mitchell. And then you hear the announcer say, Makai Mitchell, and it's like, oh, no, I don't get anything. So, yeah, anyway, Mikhail Mitchell I think is in a great spot against Texas A&M. Sorry for that little rant there. He had 41 fantasy points in 32 minutes in the first game that Arkansas and Texas A&M played. Now, if you're leaning into the fact that Eric Musselman is super unpredictable and maybe he can't tell these Mitchell brothers apart, maybe a pivot to Makai Mitchell with a little less ownership might be a solid move. I don't know, but Mikel is the one that had the solid game the first time around against Texas A&M. Now, another guy that had a good game in a previous matchup against his opponent is Northwestern's Robbie Baran. He's been brutal lately, but against Indiana the first time those two teams played, he had 30 fantasy points, and that's pretty much six times value for his salary he's currently at, and that is an absolute smash performance. If we were able to get that from him again, I don't mind going back to him. Iowa State's Aljaz Kuntz returned from a hand injury, and I believe he's played two games since that injury. Um, the last one against Oklahoma State was pretty solid. He had 21 fantasy points in 23 minutes in that game. And like I've said about Oklahoma State, they turn games into rock fights. And they're really good at defending the interior. And so that was not a great matchup. And he put up about a fantasy point per minute, right? So TCU is a better matchup. So if he's able to keep increasing that minute load kind of, you know, bit by bit, and he plays more minutes against TCU, and he's able to put up about a fancy point per minute, he could be a really solid value play on this slate. Now, looking at the 4K range and below, it's a brutal matchup, I know, but Kamari lands of Louisville going against Virginia. Um, he has 18 fancy points in three of his last four games, and at his price tag, that's acceptable. Like, that's pretty good. 
But I know it's a brutal matchup. I know it's a tempo down spot. I know Louisville is bad at basketball. So, you know, all that pointing against him, he might be a solid GPP play because I don't think he will garner high ownership. And I think that he has shown a little bit of a ceiling. Now, Tennessee's Toby Iwaka is a beneficiary of Tennessee's current injuries. We're probably not going to see Josiah Jordan-James in this one. And Julian Phillips is likely to sit as well. And so in his last two games, Toby Walker has 17 and 22 fantasy points. And so if you're looking at a potential increased minutes and increased usage from those two, then we're looking at a really solid play in the 3K range. Now, Jonas Adu of Tennessee could also see more minutes and more usage as well. He actually hasn't been as good in his last three games as Awaka has. And so I think that Awaka is definitely the guy that has a little bit more upside at a little bit of a cheaper price, and I definitely don't mind going to him, especially if Triple J and Julian Phillips are out of this game. Now, granted, if both of them end up playing, I'm probably totally off of Toby Awaka, if I'm being totally honest. Now, another injury situation to monitor is Alabama center Charles Bediaco. He is currently questionable for this game. If he does not go, the most logical fill-in would be Nick Pringle, and he is way down there on the board. Um, and he had 20 fantasy points in 12 minutes against Florida. That's about 1.5 fantasy points per minute. And so if he's able to keep that rate up for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, uh, that would be a really good fantasy performance. So I definitely think he's got some upside if Bediaco does not go. All right, that does it for the forward position, and that does it for our preview of Wednesday, February 15th, College Basketball at DFS Slate. If you want to see how I took all that information and put it into my DFS lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Also, make sure you rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. It really helps me out a lot. Um, if you subscribe, you'll be getting notified when we drop new episodes and... You're going to hear some college basketball episodes coming up for Thursday night and Friday night later on this week. So make sure you stay tuned and stay ready for that. Um, also, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I drop some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to on the show, and I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions. All right, that does it for the Wednesday preview, guys. Um, best of luck to you in all your DFS endeavors. Hopefully, I was able to give you some information and some research that can help you out. All stats are courtesy of KenPom.com. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.